What's up, everybody? This is the Pearsall Bros Podcast. My name is Mark, and I'm with my brother, Pat. NBA free agency is about a week in the books, and we discuss some of the more notable signings. The Lakers strengthen their core, Phoenix officially gets to 12 players, and Golden State stays with their big three. The West looks super competitive. We also dig into the Damian Lillard situation, who owes who what, where he might end up, and what the possible outcomes are. Hope you guys enjoy it. Okay, everybody, it is the 4th of July. That is when we are recording this episode. So uh, we're going to run down some of the free agency moves in the NBA. Free agency just opened up uh, July 1st, and a bunch of moves were made official, and then a lot of other moves have happened since then. And some, uh, a lot of folks stayed where they were, but nonetheless, their contracts are a little bit on the interesting side. Uh, teams made some pretty interesting moves to improve uh, what we think is going to be their chances at uh, getting better or contending uh, during next year's season. I was going to start with the defending champs, Denver Nuggets. Ironically enough, didn't really do much, which uh, we didn't think they needed to do anything to get better. Now, sometimes when you win a championship, maybe you have an aging star or a really expensive contract, or maybe there was uh, a sign of like some poor chemistry and you really just uh, won the title with talent. That was not the case with Denver. They seem to have a pretty even squad in terms of like... You know, you have your top heavy talented pieces making a lot of money in Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray, and then a lot of good role players, Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter Jr., Kentavious Caldwell Pope, on down the line. A, a popular player, though, uh, for them, who was really like a glue guy, was Bruce Brown, and they even mentioned Mike Ballone in his... Uh, drunken... I don't, know, I don't know if I want to say drunken state, but in one of his... Uh, portions of his speech during the parade he mentions uh, Bruce Brown's not going anywhere and I think it was day one if not day two of free agency Bruce Brown signs with the Indiana Pacers he again was not like the the reason why the Denver Nuggets won but he was a valuable piece he guarded a lot of the other team's best offensive player he was guarding Devin Booker when they played the Suns he certainly rolled and guarded LeBron James a little bit um, when they played the Lakers he certainly was guarding Jimmy Butler when they played the Heat so a valuable piece, um, but I think their plan is to replace him with Christian Braun, their rookie guy. Um, I think that's kind of what they're doing. They didn't really sign anybody brand new. They signed some of their other guys, but uh, the team that did make some interesting moves and sort of bolstered their roster was the team they beat in the Western Conference Finals, the L.A. Lakers. The L.A. Lakers did make some very interesting moves. Um, again, not so much in terms of acquiring a lot of new players. They did get Gabe Vincent from the Heat. They also picked up, uh, let's see, Tareen Prince and Jackson Hayes. Um, but they kept a lot of their important pieces that really made some moves last year. You remember last year, last season at the trade deadline, they really made a lot of moves and brought in some new guys that ultimately provided, uh, proved to be pretty, it, it worked. Yeah, A lot of their moves, um, they didn't have a lot of time to get the the chemistry going necessarily, but the talent, it seemed to be gelling pretty quickly. I would say even in some ways better than what Phoenix did, but LA brought in some guys. So they re-signed Austin Reeves to a new four-year contract. They re-signed Rui Hachimura to a, th 
a three-year contract. D'Angelo Russell, two years. They've made some good moves. If they can keep that core, especially that Austin Reeves, um, they got him four years at $56 million, 14 14 a year. That's a great signing. That's an amazing signing when you consider some of the other signings out there, and we won't dig into this, but if Dylan Brooks is worth $20 million a year, uh, Austin Reeves' contract is a bargain. Uh, so Austin proved to be very valuable, plays both ways. He can handle the basketball. He can get to the hoop smart enough. Um, so Gabe Vincent, you know, he really uh, – he was the point guard for the Miami Heat during this last uh, championship run. So kudos to him for um, – basically taking his play and getting a really good contract. And I think he'll be a good piece because he also proved he can play off the ball because LeBron James kind of likes to play that point forward position, as we know. But to Pat's point, like, I don't, nobody thought they needed to get like a new superstar. We know who their superstars are, LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Now, the, the interesting thing is I think they're going to be fine in the playoffs assuming they're healthy. We always have to assume that. But we also have to assume Anthony Davis is going I think he's going to get hurt. Even even if he was healthy, he's only going to play at most 60 games in the regular season. LeBron James probably only going to play 50. So do they have enough from their other surrounding pieces to get enough wins to maybe get a high enough seed to give him a good enough spot in the playoffs? Well, I think Denver last year proved that you do, it's not necessarily about having a top-heavy team. If you can have a couple of guys that are legitimate superstars, which the Lakers certainly have, and then a really good supporting cast where everybody knows their role, everybody stays in their lane, a really good second team, and they know that their job is to be the good second team. Denver shows that you can you can win a championship like that. And I think L.A. made some good moves in order to do that. They did lose Dennis Schroeder to Toronto, and they also lost um, uh, Lonnie Walker to, mm-hmm. to Brooklyn. But... Um, they, they, I think they made up for that, and, and if they can keep everybody the whole season, um, I think they're put themselves in a good position to win. I think they're significantly in a, in a significantly better place now, this time of year, than they were at this time last year. Absolutely. I, I agree with that. Uh, so another team that I think has uh, improved from when we last recorded a podcast episode a couple of weeks ago is the Phoenix Suns. Now, are have they slingshot themselves past Denver? No. We still think they're, or at least I'm not going to speak for Pat, I still think their problem is maybe too, too heavy with the All-Stars and not enough reserves. How are they going to do it? They, last time we, uh, we talked, they only had eight guys on their roster. So kudos to them to filling that out with some interesting pieces of guys that have had some run, have played meaningful minutes in other basketball teams, and actually have pretty good stats to show that they could they could end up making a pretty decent impact. They got a good backup center in Drew Eubanks. Um, they got an interesting guy from the Nets, uh, Watanabe, who had shot 44% from three. And for context, that's a better uh, three-point shooting percentage than Steph Curry. Steph Curry last year shot 42.5, so... Um, Eric Gordon was a meaningful piece. He seems like a bargain. He's certainly not the Eric Gordon he was five or eight years ago. But last year when the Phoenix Suns played, it was Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. No one else could could score a basket. And you couldn't you could double team those guys, and that's all you had to do. You can't 
deploy that same defensive strategy against this Phoenix Suns team. Now, there's still a couple injuries away, uh, and unfortunately, Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal have that injury history that gives you a little bit of a pause and concern, but I think they added some pieces to make them a little bit better. They're in a better position now than they were a couple of weeks ago. I still have more questions about Phoenix. I mean, you could argue that they're the top of the Phoenix Suns is the best in the NBA, or at the very least on paper. We haven't actually seen them that with the Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, um, Bradley Beal, and to a degree, DeAndre Ayton. The, the top of that team is a, probably better than anybody else. But as we know, um, you need more than four guys to to True. to play. Um, as Mark was saying, there is injury history there. Um, if everything works in Phoenix, meaning if nobody gets really hurt and all these pieces can play and there's some chemistry, I think LA is in a better position. I think Denver is still in a better position. I mean, I don't, and I don't really know what the answer is for Phoenix. Yeah, because I think those other teams that you mentioned, they defend better. And at the end of the day, in the playoffs, you have to defend. Like the winning play for Denver over LA was a defensive play. They stopped LeBron James at the basket. Right, and and depth in the playoffs too is really is really what helps because your 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 superstars need to shine. They absolutely need to shine in the playoffs, but. When they don't, and if you're going to make a, a full run all the way to the championship, no superstar is going to be, I mean, even Jokic, who was averaging a triple-double through the playoffs, I mean, not every single game he was the man for Denver. I mean, you have to have other pieces that can step up. Will these new pieces be those pieces for Phoenix? Maybe. We'll see. I'm, I don't know a lot about some of these players that they've signed. Not necessarily a lot of banner signings, per se. <laughs> they didn't have the money to do it, but the fact that they filled out a roster, they've uh, made their first step. I mean, the, the average of all, the, of all their signings, the average salary is 3 9 and that's considering of all t- total team of, total of the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven people they've signed, they're averaging three point nine million. So kudos to those guys uh, for taking you know the offer that they could, and you know some of those guys that's really what they're worth. I mean, let's be honest, but um, they got serviceable players that play in the NBA. Another interesting signing, a little bit under the radar was Derrick Rose to the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, this team, they had their big signing previously, and we talked about it, Marcus Smart. Of course, let's go back. Memphis's prime superstar, John Morant, suspended for the first 25 games. And even without signing these guys, we kind of talked about how I think they're going to be okay because nobody plays 82 games anymore. So John Morant was probably going to play 65 to 70 and so he's going to be rested. He's going to be ready to go. In theory, if you're just looking at all the potential positives that come out of missing 25 games. And now, and what were they going to do? Will they get Marcus Smart, a competitive, determined, experienced guard, and they also get Derrick Rose, who basically was John Morant before John Morant explosive, high energy. Now, he's not nearly any of those things now because he's certainly on the tail end of his career, battled injuries, but a respectable player within the NBA can absolutely give you a good effort for 25 games, particularly the front half. 
Derrick Rose is a great piece to have coming off the bench, but I mean, I think it's almost as if he was signed to Memphis to be Ja Morant's one-to-one mentor. As if Memphis is saying, your job, we're going to pay you $6.5 million over the next two years to teach this person how to be in the NBA, how to behave in the NBA, how to do this right. And so, good luck, Derek. I think I think, I think think the potential's there. And he can give you some good minutes off the bench, too. Yeah, absolutely. He's going to be a player that isn't going to be a distraction. I think maybe once upon a time he was when he was younger, but what 20-year-old isn't easily distracted on, on planet Earth? I mean, Especially when you give them $100 million. Yeah, exactly. So they've obviously got other big pieces. I mean, I think last year they were the two-seed in the Western Conference and now everybody's sort of, you know, we've already penciled Denver in as the one. L.A. is to be a strong number two. Phoenix, maybe three or four. Sacramento didn't do anything but stay pat, so kudos to them. But I think Memphis is right up there. So I, I think the the top, uh, the the battle for the top four seeds is going to be interesting in the Western Conference. We don't want to look past Golden State. Nothing new or major for them besides Chris Paul, who we talked about last time. They officially got Draymond Green, four years, $100 million. Uh, people might say, that's a little much, but based on what he's... It's kind of one of those signings where we're going to pay you... Some of this money is based on what you've done for us uh, in the past. He certainly was a big part of their... Uh, Four championships years. He was a crucial part of the core that won all those championships. Also, that four-year signing will then bring him um, to the end of that contract the same time Steph Curry's contract ends. Um, I could see, at that point, Draymond being like, I'm out. Sure. I mean, to, kind of depending on what Steph does, if Steph decides, or or he takes significantly less money, or he goes off into the wilderness and goes and plays in Orlando. Or yeah. something, or know. just retires, or just retires. That's what I'm saying. I mean, at that point, he'll be 37 years old. It'll be, you know, he could be. He'll have a hundred million more dollars, and doesn't need to, won't need to prove anything. Like either one of those guys, if they never win another championship for the next four years, no one will all of a sudden be like they weren't actually very good because uh, they didn't do anything over the last four years. Undeniably, part of one of the greatest teams in the history of sports. Yeah, yeah. So they're they're locked in. So uh, again, another competitive team. Um, and the the Eastern Conference didn't make a ton of moves, you know. Uh, they and in fact, I think that conference as a whole got a little bit weaker based on some of the departures from some of those teams. And so I think the West is loaded, which will be fun. Uh, another interesting signing is Kyrie Irving staying staying at the Dallas Mavericks. I don't know if that means anything. I'm still looking at Dallas as a six seed, seven seed. There are people, but I don't know if they have enough. We've certainly talked about their defensive deficiencies with both Luka and Kyrie on the floor at the same time. And so he got a fair contract. Uh, I don't know if that's making anybody who's a Dallas Mavericks fan excited. I mean, they also signed Seth Curry from Brooklyn. He's back in Dallas. Yeah. Not Steph, but his brother Seth. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know if Dallas has really moved any direction. I mean, I don't expect anything. Yeah, you know, they will challenge to get into the playoffs if they get, and that's an if because I think they could, you know, kind of like this season, they could just not. I mean, Kyrie Irving, whether actually of his own making or whether some kind of goofy karma seems to just be a magnet for chaos. Yeah. And so 
even if he plays really I mean I they don't have the team even yeah. even even if he and Luca play at MVP level play there's still that's still only two guys and I don't know if the rest of the team is good enough to support that I still don't think like you said best case scenario maybe a 6 seed and losing to Denver LA Memphis, Sacramento, who knows, Golden State, Phoenix, Phoenix, one of those teams. I mean, I don't, I don't think they're there yet. Yeah, no, I agree. They could, Luca and Kyrie could average 30 points a game and 60 points isn't going to be enough. So those are the top signings in the NBA that's happened with the free agency season so far. Uh, we're going to take a little break and we'll be back. We're back. Well, one of the biggest pieces yet to fall in this year's free agency is Damian Lillard. Now, we are here in the Northwest. We are Portland Trailblazers fans. He officially requested a trade from the Portland Trailblazers. Um, He said he would like to go to the Miami Heat. Damian Lillard uh, was drafted number six overall in 2012 by the Portland Trailblazers. He's been playing for 11 years. He's almost 33 years old from Weber State. Um, he is arguably one of the best tra- trailblazers to ever play, at least the second best. The only guy that maybe was ahead of him is Clyde Drexler. Yeah. Um, and so this this opens up all kinds of questions. Do the Portland Trailblazers owe Damian Lillard anything? So he said he wants to go to the Miami Heat. Do they owe him that? He said he wants to be traded. Do they owe him that? They don't have to trade him. Correct. Yeah, no, it's a really interesting dynamic and exercise in NBA player and NBA ownership relationship dynamics. And that's where I wanted to start was the idea of, because Damian Lillard has been like a devoted Portland trailblazer his entire career, his entire career. It's one of the most likable things about him forever. People have tried to recruit him to other teams and he's like, no, I'm all in on Portland. I'm all in on Portland. I want to see if we can win here. I want to see if we can win here. And they've done well. They've made it to the, uh, or I should say they've done okay. They did make it to the Western Conference Finals one season. That was the highest they got. They didn't play particularly well in that series. They got swept by the Warriors. Um, they made it to the playoffs a handful of times. Damian Lillard himself has won uh, two playoff series and game-winning shots once against the Rockets in his second year and then once over Paul George when he was on uh, Oklahoma City, defeated them, uh, I believe, in 2018. But nonetheless, so he's been a devoted Trailblazers fan. So this request comes out. Yeah, the question I want to dig into is, does Portland owe him anything? And my response, my initial response is, well, no. Now, they don't owe him anything. Even though Damian Lillard has been an excellent basketball player for Portland, and as Pat said, if not, you know, maybe not as good as Claude Drexler, I bet you in some people's eyes, he is the best. The only other person that maybe is even worth talking about is Bill Walton, because Bill Walton did uh, was the best player on uh, the Portland Trailblazers' only championship team. However, so he's been one of the best players in franchise history. So he asked for the trade. Totally allowed to do that, by the way. And I actually respect people's uh, version of them who are going to be transparent and honest. 
You know, it'd be one thing if he only played three or four years and was like, you know what, I'm out of here. I hate it. This sucks. Like, I think he gave it, I think he gave it an honest try. A decade in one spot is pretty darn good. So he shows up to Joe Cronin, the GM of Portland's office, and he says, I want to trade. And Joe goes, okay, cool. I appreciate you letting me know and being honest with me. Where do you want to go? Damien says, I'd love to go to Miami. And Joe's response, if I'm Joe, I'd say, okay, cool. So we already have a pretty guard-heavy team right now. It's drafted Scoot Henderson, Anthony Simons, Shaden Sharp. We got some nice guards. We'd love to have Bam Adebayo. We'll trade you straight up. Dame says, no, we don't want to, I don't want to do that because I want to go to Miami to play with Bam. And then if I'm Joe, I say, well, is what you want more important than what I want? Is that more important? Does Damian Lillard get like dibs on importance here? Um, that's a really good question. And I, I don't think so necessarily. Now you talk about, does Portland owe him anything? Well, did he quote unquote, give them, uh, more than he needed to, you know I mean? He chose to stay in Portland when he had opportunities to go elsewhere to other teams that maybe would, um, have been a little bit more competitive. Um, how do you reward that? Yeah. Now, they rewarded him by giving him a four-year, $176 million contract. That's a decent bit of compensation yeah. for your service. Um, now, <laughs> um, now, one thing that you could say maybe Portland owes them, when, when he walked into the office and said, I want to be traded, they could say, okay, we will trade you. Now, do they owe him where they, where he wants to go. Maybe they even, you could argue, okay, you say you want to go to Miami? We'll take a look. Yeah. Because there's 30 teams that we could send you to, so we'll take a look at Miami. Sure, why not? Now, does Portland have any responsibility to make it work? No. Of course not. Their responsibility is to their franchise to make their franchise better. Um. And this is not a Damian Lillard bashing session. Definitely not. I'm a huge fan, and I and both Mark and I, I think, wish him nothing but luck in the future. I mean, if, if whatever team he goes to next season wins the NBA championship, I will feel great for him. Yeah, absolutely. I think the interesting part, what we're just wanting to bring to light is um, Damian Lillard's wishes, wants, and desires aren't more important than the Portland Trailblazers franchise or Joe Crone and specifically the GMs, I think they're equal. But the hard part in life is that sometimes two people both really want something. They and both these individuals want success. Um, but it's going to be almost impossible where this relationship ends and both parties feel completely happy with the result. And that's also okay. That's also just a functional life. But I, I wanted to stick it out there. So what are the options and opportunities? Well, just like Pat said, Joe says, okay, we'll look at Miami. Okay. What does Miami want to send back? A bunch of, they want Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson and a bunch of draft picks. Right off the bat, you're like, well, that's not even close to what Damian Lillard is worth. But so who else is out there? Well, Philly's got some players. And then, but does Portland really want James Harden? No. Um, would they take Tyrese Maxey? Probably. But there's reports that Philadelphia has no interest in getting rid of Tyrese Maxey. He's a young player. As Pat mentioned, Damian Lillard's 33. And I think part of what the Trailblazers are running into 
is that Damian Lillard's coming off one of his best years, but to say he's still in his prime and going to put out three more, four more incredible years, I think is a stretch. So I think other teams are out there probably telling Portland, like, you're sending me someone who's 33, going to be 34, and up to 36 on this next contract where we're giving him 40-plus million, $50 million a year. I can't give you the farm with what you want. So your play here. Right. And I think also, too, Damien, if he wants to win, which he does, I mean, I think he's smart enough to recognize or at least see that he needs to be part of a system where he needs to go to a team that has an existing superstar, something that can help him win a championship. I mean, he is very good on his own. He's been trying to win it essentially by himself for 11 years as the lead dog for 11 seasons now in Portland. It's not working. Now, is that all his fault? Absolutely not. But if if I'm him and I'm looking, well, where do I want to go if I actually want to compete for a championship? A team like Philadelphia makes a lot of sense. Joel Embiid, obviously the reigning MVP. Now, Philly has said that they don't want to give up Tyrese Maxey. If I was Philadelphia, I'd say why not? You know, I mean, or at least look at the trade. Now, in the long term, would it be better for you to give up Tyrese for Dame? Maybe not. But, hey, you're, like, knocking at the door right now. Now is the time to do it. Right, so let's say you did that. Maybe, maybe Tyrese Maxey and a pick, you know, or a couple picks or whatever. Yeah. To to Portland for Dame. Um, you still have to figure out something to do with James Harden because then you have two thirty-three-year-old guards that aren't very good at playing defense and can potentially score. I think Dame is a little more valuable than James Harden. Certainly, a little more consistent potentially. Um, I think he also could maybe help. Uh, Joel Embiid be that much better because he could facilitate and for the rest of the team for that matter. So I think Philadelphia makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Now, one of the questions is, let's say he goes to Philly. They've also been talking about, let's say he did go to Miami. Let's say he went to the Knicks, whatever. Let's say he goes, even if he went to Philly, does that make the Sixers good enough to beat Milwaukee? Does that make the Sixers good enough to beat Miami? the new Boston Celtics with Chris Tapps Porzingis. I mean, is does does Dame going anywhere in the East make him kind of all of a sudden make that team automatically the team to beat in the East? I think it makes all those teams that you referenced. I don't know if it makes any of them an automatic unless he went to Milwaukee. Then that team, and they didn't have to give up any pieces, but that I don't think that's actually going to happen. So um, that's sort of more pie in the sky. But... I think it makes them better, and it improves their chances, but I agree. I don't think it slingshots Philly in front of everybody else, and it's just like, well, we're not going to play anymore. It's not like the Warriors of 2017 when they had Curry and Klay Thompson and Kevin Durant and Draymond Green. I was thinking exactly the same thing. I mean, KD signed with that team, and everyone was well, no one else is going to win any games. They're going to win the championship for the next three seasons, and they did. You're, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there was almost no reason to even play the season. So uh, I'm glad the version of that team doesn't exist now so we can actually play the games and, and the outcome will be interesting and not predictable. Uh, so you're right. I think I think it makes Miami that much closer 
But would I be shocked if Boston or Milwaukee came out of the East over Miami, even with Damian Lillard? I would not. So I think it makes them more competitive. Uh, I think it makes all those teams more competitive. And I do think, like we've talked about in the last segment, the West is getting tougher and tougher and tougher. And it's loaded. So Damian... And if you're a Trailblazers fan, you don't want to send Damian Lillard to a Western Conference team to then play him, you know, five, six, seven times a year, have to face him in the playoffs. And that doesn't seem to even be an option. There's no teams out there where that's going down. So it makes sense for them to do it. Send him somewhere in the East. And I think Damian's best chance to win a championship is to a team in the East. Right. And the only place in the West that you could see a maybe where people have kind of talked about has been San Antonio because yeah. he has, Dame has mentioned himself. He's like, well, I don't know that Victor Wayne Banyama kids looks pretty promising and wouldn't that be interesting? I don't think that that's going to happen. Not to say that Portland wouldn't necessarily deal him to San Antonio, but if he wants to win, I think there's there's too many unresolved questions. I mean, Victor, again, the ceiling is really high, like potentially doesn't even exist. But who knows? He hasn't played a dribble of actual basketball yet, so we'll see. Yeah, exactly. And is it really just like the Trailblazers of four years ago when they were like kind of close, but you knew that like even if Dame Lillard went to San Antonio, we talked about those top the battle for the top four or five seeds in the Western Conference is going to be tight. Dame goes to San Antonio, they're a seven seed. Maybe. Exactly. Going to lose in the first round, maybe second round. So I do think... Um, for Damian Lillard's best interest, get him to the Eastern Conference. What does Portland do? Do they try to just hold on to this uh, bargaining chip that is Damian Lillard and wait and wait and wait and act sort of completely selfish and make sure you get the exact best trade package back? Uh, to some degree, you do. You you want to be able to, again, they're operating in what's best for the Portland Trailblazers, so that's literally what you're paid to do if you're Joe Cronin. Now, one thing that uh, folks have mentioned is that players in the NBA are monitoring how Portland's treating Damian through this experience and what they're going to do. So I think what Portland should actually do, again, in the notion of transparency and honesty, and you you, you got to be grateful for, a, I'd much rather have a player be like, can you just trade me, as opposed to being like disgruntled and turn toxic. And I don't think Damian would do that. He seems to be a first-class guy. Um, all the way, even if you don't think asking for a trade is something that a first-class player would do. Um, I'm okay with that. But I think to show Portland's uh, that they're a player-friendly place is I think they should consult their young core of players and ask them just an idea, what do you guys think of some of these trade packages? Which I think some people would say, are you insane? Scoot Henderson's 19, you know, Shaden Sharp's 20, Anthony Simons I think is 21 or 22. You know, how can you possibly consult some, uh, excuse me, Simons is a, is a wise 24. Anyways, how could, why would you bother doing that? Well, a lot of these players in the NBA... They are friends from AAU basketball days, from G League days, from college basketball days. They hang out during the offseason. They train together during the offseason. If they work for, if their agents are the same person, of course, they probably go to functions together the same. So, what if the trade that is uh, mostly discussed is Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson and some picks? And everybody's like, who cares? Like, Tyler Hero and Anthony Simons are literally like the same player. They have almost identical. Uh, 
point and assist averages, 20 points and four assists a game. So it doesn't make sense on paper why Portland would already get Tyler Hero when they have someone already doing that. But what if those young that young core was like, you know what? We all really get along with Tyler Hero, and we've hung out with him in the past, and we really like him, and we think we play together well. Then you Portland could sort of advertise that like we consulted our young guys, and chemistry does matter, and I think it does in NBA basketball. Denver proved that. So even though it doesn't look cool, and obviously no one would say Tyler Hero is as good of a player as Damian Lillard, so it would look uneven of a trade, but we've kind of talked, you're not going to get a superstar player, or it doesn't doesn't feel like you're going to get a superstar player back. So as risky as it may be to consult 19, 20, 24-year-olds what you should do, doesn't mean you're going to just do that. But I think if they were like, ooh, I heard this trade package, that actually sounds pretty good, even though on paper it's not, you know, people don't think it's actually going to be that valuable. We would love to play with player X and player Y. And I think that's worth something. Yeah, maybe it would be interesting. You know, I mean, it, it begs a bigger question of, you know, what is, what are the Portland Trailblazers goals for this next season or even the next couple of seasons? Are they committed to a full on rebuild at this point, basically? I, mean, I think not, so. They're not, they're not, I mean, if, okay, life after Dame. Right. What are the first two seasons? What do we consider success? Twenty three, twenty four. Are we even trying to get into the playoffs? I mean, do we consider an eight a play in game opportunity? Is that a successful That's season? A good point. Is this is some kind of is five hundred successful? Are we looking for if is is playoffs next season twenty four twenty five? That's success for this season. Is it holding on to this young core? I mean, that's really tough. I mean, they 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 don't have much veteran. Any, it's very it's a very young team. They seem to be skewing young, which is fine. Yeah, you know, Memphis has had a lot of success being young. Um, I think for that reason, that's a really good question. And I think any sort of organization functioning without a goal, you're gonna fall short. It's just like any company, any any group of people, creative people, any if you were Pat and I are musicians, played in bands, if you were like to go to band practice but be like, are we gonna play shows? Nah, I don't know. Are we gonna record? I don't know. They'd be like, well what the hell are we doing? And right. Just playing just and playing just for fun's fine also, but like you would also want to discuss and talk about that. So that's a really good point. I think no matter what they're gonna get back, I th- I don't think they're not gonna win the NBA championship this year. They're not going to be a top five seed. So it's one of those scenarios where like, we're going to get back what we get back, but we are going to try as hard as we can. We're not going to go Houston Rockets, Detroit Pistons, San Antonio Spurs of last year and try to get the next best thing because there's nothing even close to Wembanyama in the next draft. So, which is almost kind of fun because there's no reason to suck. No reason to tank. No reason to tank, which is way a better situation for everybody involved. So I think you want to see, like, yeah, scoot. So 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 that begs the question then for Dame. I mean, are you are you really looking towards the future? Are you going to try to get a young, a good piece? Are you just going to try to get? I saw a scenario where like a three way scenario between Portland, Miami, and Brooklyn, where Portland ultimately ends up with Ben Simmons, who nobody wants, but then also like nine first round draft picks over the next three seasons or whatever, you know, and then like Ben Simmons expiring contract or whatever. So yeah. so there's like 
do you is that or or are you like or we could maybe get Tyrese Maxey who's like a really good piece and bring him in we're still not going to win this season probably not going to win next season either but at least that's a solid building block to put around who knows who knows for sure I I just think the interesting dynamic of you know who owes who what nobody owes anybody anything both parties Dame Lillard and Portland have done a pretty good job to to each other actually I would I would almost argue Portland could have done more to try to get more pieces around Damian Lillard and they didn't do that did Damian Lillard play as hard as he could and was he as devoted a basketball player to his organization that paid him handsomely yes so he's done his end of the bargain um so because I don't think Whatever Portland gets back, it's all of a sudden going to be like, oh, yeah, now they're going to compete with Phoenix and Golden State. That's not going to matter. So I'm almost rooting for Dame to go to where he wants to go because I don't, I'm not anti-draft picks, but it's the ultimate crapshoot getting draft picks and because you just don't know what talent is eventually going to be out there, even though like this next draft is just not looking very good. Who knows? Some players could blossom in the next year and all of a sudden look like valuable pieces, but you're really, but at the same time, an asset is an asset and maybe you can turn a handful of draft picks into a, a good player. Who knows? I mean, I mean, Portland hasn't had a great, draft pick since Damian Lillard 11 years ago when they drafted him number six overall. I mean, they, they've had a lot of high picks since then. A lot of guys that just haven't quite gone off. Certainly nobody who's been as good. Portland is testing that, like, we're just going to keep drafting and developing and hopefully we win the lottery. You know, I don't know. It just, and the NBA has also shown that if you really, really want to win, you got to be willing to take risks. Amen. You know, sometimes it works. Golden State, sometimes it doesn't work. Phoenix, Brooklyn, is a wonderful example of it not working. But, I mean, so you got to be willing to put that money down like around the trade deadline or like, okay, we're just going to go all in, couple years, big contract, super awesome players. But now, I mean, Portland's not even close. Even if they kept Dame, they're not close to that. They're not anywhere near that. So I think, um, you know, good luck, Dame. Yes. Good, good luck in the future. Good luck, Portland Trailblazers. Yeah, good luck to everybody. We'll see you next time. All right.